guys, my name is Rhea and this is Was That Good For You, a podcast all about sex and relationships. We cover everything from kinks to interracial dating to long distance dating and everything in between. Today's guest is pop R&B artist Almond Milk Honey. So thank you again so much for jumping on. I'm really excited to have a conversation with you because I feel like I, so I first started listening to your music like six months ago. I have no idea how, but I think you came up on like a playlist or something on Spotify and I immediately was like, oh my God, I love this woman. Oh my God. I followed you on Instagram and Twitter and then I especially loved you because I feel like you're also just like super intelligent and you always have like a new like opinion on something on Twitter. You're like super outspoken. So I love that about you. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Where are you based? Are you in like a big city right now? Um, I live in Philadelphia. So um, I'm usually back and forth between Philly and LA. But yeah, I've been in Philly for since maybe like five years now. Okay. Do you like it? I love Philly. Yeah, I definitely do. It's like it's just my home base. So, you know, right. it's, it's a completely different feeling than going to any other city. And I feel like the thing, though, is now especially to – I mean, I guess it's different with COVID, but, like, before that, I'm sure you were flying to L.A. all the time for music, right? Yeah, I was. I had to slow down. Like, the whole music industry basically just paused the first couple months of COVID because, I mean, no one knew what to do. Right. But – um around the summertime I was able to start going back and like going to the studio again so yeah it's been nice to like get back so are you like working on new music during COVID are you having to do like zoom sessions and shit like that um I had to improvise so this is like so weird but I may I like mainly record in LA which is like a lot like it's super extra like I fly to LA basically every time to go record, but um, I had to improvise uh, and I started recording in Philly at like where Lil Uzi records at his studio. And that was really cool. I recorded Damn Boy there and it was so cool. I actually have a funny story about this. Please. I, it was such a weird like uh, realization moment for me in my life and like my career because I had only been to the studio one time before and it was two years ago when I was a stripper and I went because like Lil Uzi's engineer, you know, he was a friend and he was like, he was like, oh, like come by after the club, after your shift and like, let's just smoke at the studio. So the only other time I was there was at like 3am smoking (laughs) a blunt with Lil Uzi and his like whole crew (laughs) after my shift at the strip club. So then, like, fast forward two years, and I'm recording a song there in the same exact room, and I'm like, holy shit, this is so full circle right now. It, like, kind of blew my mind. For sure. I mean, that's insane, too, like, the short span of time, because I feel like you hear stories like that, but it's, like, 10 years or, like, (laughs) so for it to be a two-year difference when you're, like, going there as a homie to, like, smoke and chill and then going there to, like, record a song that ends up being huge like that's yeah (laughs) it was so weird like I felt like I was walking through a portal it was just so strange for sure and for it to be the same studio too like not just like I used to go to studios as a homie and now I go to record like the same studio that's yeah the same exact room So one thing I want to talk about, I'm not sure how big you are into astrology, but I, I read that you're an Aries. 
Yes, it's true. I'm so sorry. I, I love Aries. I oh, okay. think in Aries and I feel like you guys are the kind of people who if it's like, if I don't fuck with you, I will literally beat your ass. And if I do <laughs> fuck with you, I will beat someone's ass for you. Yes. It's and very I cool. love that energy. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I used to be more like, I used to be the typical stereotype of an Aries that everyone fucking hates. And it's like, she's such a bitch and I hate her and she's just mean for no reason. And like, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I used to be that person. And then, you know, you grow up a little and you mature. And honestly, I think the only thing that that may come off bitchy about me now is that I tend to just be very honest, like to the point where I have to think sometimes like, wait, ooh, like, was that rude? Like, I wasn't even trying to be mean, but right. you know what I mean? So No, for sure. I feel like that's such an Aries thing where you guys just, you're you're going to be honest if it's somebody that you've met for 10 minutes, it doesn't matter. Like, literally, you're, like, <laughs> you're just going to say it and people have to accept it or not. But that's what I think people like. Like, that's what's so polarizing about Aries is people either fucking love that energy or they like they can't it. Like they are like it like sensitive people. I feel like cannot be friends with Aries. I know, and I feel so bad because it's like you really don't even realize you're like that. <laughs> Do you think about astrology or anything like that when it comes to dating? Like, are you ever like, oh, there's this type of person that I like cannot date? I actually do. I'm not gonna lie. I'm that person. I'm very into astrology. I've been doing tarot for like over five years now, and oh. yeah, and I do think about it. I think. Now I look less at like synastry and things and I try to pay more attention to just like, does it feel like it aligns with my life in general? But my kryptonite in life is cancer men. And that's just the truth. What? I hate cancer men. (laughs) They, time and time again, I fall for one. And they destroy me. Like, so bad for you. (laughs) I swear, it's like once a year I encounter a cancer man in cancer season, fall for them, and then I get absolutely wrecked. (laughs) Well, I feel like with cancer men, it's one of those things where they're similar, similar to Aries, like in a different way, though. They have like two very extremes. Like, they're either like petting your head while you're like laying on their lap and like opening up about their childhood or they're like dragging you and they're just like being so fucking mean or like they just wake up one day and decide they don't like you anymore and it's like yeah I've only experienced the mean part and I I guess I just like it (laughs) but they're also so sensitive like I've never met a cancer man that is not so so sensitive they're so sensitive they're literally the worst like they're (laughs) actually the worst but for some reason reason it just does something to me and yeah, I that's with for Gemini it. men which is also like a curse yeah I've only had one encounter with the Gemini man and it was this year and he was just like he was kind of just like a dick appointment he was my first LA dick appointment and he was a Gemini and to be honest it, it wasn't doing much for me he, he was a little boring well, it's so funny you say that because my boyfriend is a Gemini and we were friends with benefits for an entire almost year and a half before we started dating. They make great dick appointments. They do. And like I it was on site. So I was like, OK, that's cool. But other than that, you know, it was yeah, like. They're like- they're mad impulsive, so it's one of those things where they're great for that because they'll, like, text you at 2 a.m. be like, I just ordered a pizza. Be here in 10 minutes. I'll see you then. Yeah. And it's great. 
so hang and he's so annoying he's the type that will hit you up and be like oh i wish i could have seen you in your la like oh i miss you blah 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 and the second you touch down crickets and then it's oh i i didn't mean to miss you blah 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 Oh my god, my boyfriend's gonna listen to this and he's gonna be, feel so fucking attacked, but it's so true. Literally, like, sir, go to hell at this point, because I don't want to talk anymore. And if he hears this, well, it is what it is, but... <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> are you dating right now? Are you, like, on, like, apps, or are you, like, dating at all? I'm actually on a hiatus right now for the first time since I started dating when I was, like, 19, so... Okay. It's really weird. This is I've been single since last December and I've had flings in between, but I'd say for the past 2 months I've been like completely and utterly single, like no flings, no hookups, and it's so strange. Do you, are you doing that on purpose? Like did you wake up one day and you were like I need to just take a break? I I started the year off knowing that I was absolutely not allowing myself to get into a relationship this year. I knew this was a very like strong focal point, you know, year for me. And but I didn't, you know, I still had flings and blah 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 like to keep myself entertained, but I don't know. I think just over time I got busier with my other stuff and then it's like the universe just kind of like forced me to spend time alone because just Nothing is really interesting, like, to me in terms of, like, dating right now. Well, I feel like dating right now is also, like, people I talk to they're dating right now are just, like, it's boring because really all you can do is, like, FaceTime dates and, like, there's only so much fun you can have with that before you're, like, this is so fucking boring. You can't really go do anything right now besides go to eat. Yeah, and then also, like, the longer I've been single – because, you know, this, like I said, this is the longest I've ever been single. And the longer that I'm single – the like higher and higher my standards are getting and at this point it's insane I don't even know who's gonna fulfill this but like yeah so I feel like it would have to be like whoa like I meet you and everything's in line and it's like sparks and you know what I mean because I feel like dating nowadays is so like it's just like the chase and then they get you and then you're both bored and that's just hard about being in entertainment too I feel like is if you're dating in big cities like New York LA Miami Philly anywhere like that everybody has such a short attention span because they're always like go 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 that Literally. is hard and even for ourselves like I'm sure you have this too where like you like someone but then like you get bored and whatever and it's like it's hard to find two people that like can hold each other's attention for a long time yeah exactly and and the ones that do hold my attention are really fucking horrible for me, but yeah, always. I mean, right? Because that's the most fun, that's like the most interesting. But exactly. I also feel like it's interesting that you said that you kind of wanted to take this year to work on like your career and stuff. Because I have this. I maybe I'm just like putting myself in a box with this, but I feel like when my work is going really, really well, my dating life is down the drain. And when I'm in like a really healthy, good relationship where I'm like really vibing with someone, I like neglect my work. Like it's really hard for me to have both be going really well at the same time. I totally, especially, I understand that because especially when you put all of your energy into one thing, it kind of has to be either or until you learn how to like balance it a little bit more. But 
I think, you know, I'm also just the type of person where I think the love of my life is just going to be my career forever. Like, I think that's just how my brain is built, you know? For sure. And I think that's good because so my another episode I did recently was about it was with this girl who's like all about ethical non-monogamy and like polyamory. And she was like, it's nice because when you're in a relationship like that, it's already so different from like a monogamous relationship because you are able to like be like, this is my person and I love you. But like I'm doing my own thing and like I'm like seeing other people and I'm like working on my career and it's nice to be able to have like a person but it's also nice when your person is like you're somebody who compliments your life and doesn't like overtake your life. That's exactly where I'm at and like honestly I've I've had situations in uh like previous relationships where I've done stuff like that and I think it is something that is more suitable for me. Anything that's like super strict and like kind of traditional is just like really hard to fit myself into that box for sure exactly and like you said like your if your career is important right now then the right person is going to be someone who understands that and isn't going to be like you need to be like all about me you need to work less you need to like tour less like whatever the case is like that's just not going to be the right person for you I kind of just want my next like relationship like I want them to be super successful and like maybe they're also in music or whatever I keep saying I'm not going to date other artists anymore but it is fun. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask too. Is it, do you feel like, cause I, I, I feel like I know a lot of like musicians and stuff and there's always these two sides. One where it's like, I need to date someone in music because they're on, that's the only kind of person who's going to fully understand. But then it's like, I don't want to date someone in music because I'm fucking tired of that. And that's all I see. And that's all I experience. And I need something like different to come home to. Yeah. I think it's like, it's so cool. I th- I feel like just, just whether you're a musician or not, just, being in a place where you can be creative with the person you're with is such a beautiful thing. And I've had that with like, you know, my one ex and he wasn't an artist, but like we would just sit there and make music together. And that was like so special. But I think the issue with dating other artists usually ends up being just like the clashing of egos or there's just too much ego. And it's like, yeah. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. That's always a big deal. And then you, you identify as bisexual, right? Um, yeah, I guess bisexual. I think like um, I'm really I don't know, like because I know there's there's a lot of discourse between the term bisexual and like um, sexual. Yes. Yeah. So but yeah, pretty much I am into whatever. So <laughs> I feel the same way. I went through a really, I feel like I've identified as everything. Like I've identified as heterose- heterosexual. I've had phases where I'm like, wait, maybe I'm like fully homosexual. And then I've like been bisexual. And then when I like kind of like learned more about like gender and all that, I was like, oh, I think I might be pansexual. Now I'm the same way. I'm just like, I think I just like you. If I look at you and I like you and we talk and I like you, nothing, I don't really care much about like your genitals. Yeah, like I go through periods where I only date women and then I go through periods where I mostly date men. And then as soon as I like if I'm in a relationship with a man, it's like I immediately want a girlfriend instead. (laughs) Oh, my God. That is such a thing. Every woman I know who is queer says that exact same thing. It's like the second they get in a relationship with a man, they're like, what the fuck, dude? Like, why am I dating a man right now? Literally, you're like, oh my god, I need to go back to men. Like, I thought this was gonna be easier. This is not as easy. This is harder. (laughs) It it's definitely there's like completely different pros and cons and challenges like for both. And then like, I mean, yeah, it's kind of crazy. 
It is. Well, that's the thing. I think a lot of people think that like women who are queer or bisexual, whatever you identify as, it's like, oh, you have all these options. That's great. But then it's also like the paradox of choice where it's like when you have too many options, it's almost harder because it's like I want a little piece of everything. Also, I feel like so much of that is so false because I mean, I don't know, but in Philly, there's such a small dating pool, I think, for like women. Okay. who are queer. Yeah. I just feel like it's so small. And it's like, maybe it's just me because I tend to like end up going for girls who are totally not queer. And then like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh damn, didn't see that one coming. Like <laughs> but I don't know. I feel like I don't know. I feel like it's such a small circle. But I feel that way with men too. So maybe it's just me. <laughs> Do you feel like that helps you, though, as, like, a writer, like, being able to write about the experiences of loving men and loving women? I do, and I think it's really, like, special because I – so in my new project that's coming out on the 20th of November, I have a song called Stripper Song, and it was – it's based off of the song um, In Love with a Stripper by T-Pain and, um, like, inspired kind of, but, you know, I was a dancer – and there's there's a lot of queer women in, you know, the strip club world and in the sex work industry in general. But there's a lot of stories where there's girls falling in love with other girls at work at the strip club and you're both strippers. And like it's super unique and rent and like niche and like not everyone's going to like get that or understand at all. But um, yeah, I've definitely been there. So I thought it was so cool to write a song from the point of view of another stripper, like falling in love with a stripper. (laughs) And as much as like the specifics of that are niche, I think it also kind of goes back to what we're talking about, how it's nice to date someone that's like at least in a similar field to you because it's like only you can understand each other. And then it makes this thing where it's like we fully understand like the issues that happen in our work and the high times of our work. And like, you're able to kind of connect on that level. So I feel like even though it might not necessarily be like a dancer who listens to that song, it could be like you said, someone in music or someone who's like a writer or something who like has dated someone in their same field and can still like relate to the feelings. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. So do you feel like when you're dating, people worry about like you writing a song about them or like do they tell you like not to like you had that happen to you? Um, I haven't had that like someone be straight up and be like, oh, by the way, don't do that. But I am notorious for writing a lot of songs about <laughs> people I've dated. That's just where I draw inspiration from. For sure. Um, I've. I mean, I was talking to this guy last summer and it was super short lived, but it was it was bad. It was so toxic. And I have like four songs out right now that are just about him. <laughs> That's insane because it's like like you said, it was such a short lived thing. But sometimes those emotions are so high that it's like, I mean, you got four songs out of it. So and surprise, he's a cancer man. Oh, my God. Yeah. So how many women have written songs about cancer men? Literally, like they honestly are the worst, but it's like I can't stop. 
Well, I'm glad that you've never had someone do that to you because I've ha- I feel like when I was dating, I would always like it was like the first talking point of a date was like, I hope you don't like have a podcast episode about me. Like, don't talk about me. <laughs> and I'm like, I, why? That's a good like that's my job first of all, but also it's kind of a good thing. Like, you've made an impact on me so much that I'm like talking about you right now. Like, yeah, and you know they secretly on. love that. Exactly. Like you're you're immortalized through my work now. Everyone's ego loves a piece of art or a, like anything, a subtweet or a statement about them. Like Exactly. Even if off the bat you don't think you like it, it's like it's one of those things where like once you like lick your wounds, you'll, you're going to look back and tell your friends in six months and be like, oh, she wrote a song about me or like. Oh, yeah, that was about me and that exactly. one. And that one. <laughs> so another thing I want to talk about is I feel like you have kind of, especially recently and like reading some of your interviews, you're, you're kind of like the bad bitch of pop R&B, right? Like it's, it has very much become your thing. And I wanted to know, it's like, do you feel like there's pressure as someone who's like considered like beautiful or like a bad bitch or something like that? Do you feel like you have pressure to always be on, to always be hot? Like to, you have this like extra pressure on top of being like a singer, a songwriter and all that stuff to like always be like sexy or like like, attainable to people. Yeah, I I've went through that mental struggle a lot in the beginning of quarantine because it's like everyone's in the house, no one's yeah. doing anything. Most of us are depressed by that point. And like, but I still have to post on Instagram. I still oh. have to post on TikTok. I still have to be visible. I still and like I went through that a lot and it started to make me reevaluate like what is the message of myself that I want to show? Yeah. And do I want to just be seen as like just this one facet of my image and my personality? And um, yeah, I started shifting. So I used to feel that pressure so much. And now I'm just like, fuck it. Like, I'm going to post a selfie and I'm not really wearing makeup and I kind of look like shit and I do it on purpose. So because I, I want to like relieve that pressure for myself, but I also you know, everyone wants to be understood. And I would love for more people to understand, like, I have different facets to my personality and myself as a human being. Right. And I feel like the internet, I, I, everybody shit talks the internet. And I think the internet has like some really terrible qualities, but it's also great, right? Like we're able to meet people and find friends and find lovers and find music, like art. So there's good and bads with the internet. But I feel like one thing is once you have a following, the internet likes to put you in a box and decide like you are um, like a baddie, you are a fashion influencer, you are like a comedian and then you have to stick to that. And when you don't, you get a lot of pressure to not be that way. So it's like, if you've been posting the same kind of shit for a year and it's done really well for you and you've like gained a following because of it, the second you start to deviate, people get mad. Like people feel like they have a right to be like, this isn't what I signed up for. Totally. And like you lose followers and you lose some support, but I feel like I intentionally just go, I'm all over the place. And like even my, you know, my team and like people on my label, they'll just be like, you have so many different sides of your personality. And it's like, we want to figure out how we can really show it because it is hard to show more than one version of yourself online, especially when you're trying to market yourself in a way that helps you succeed you know because there's usually one formula and it's like look good you know like especially for women yeah so but I I try to deviate from that as much as possible because at the end of the day like the people who like it are gonna like it and the people who don't 
they they just don't. Right. Well, I also feel like it gives you the freedom too, because it's like you set a precedent now that like one day you might get like a hot pick, but the next day you're going to get like a selfie with no makeup. And the next day you're going to get me like ranting about some shit and like you either take all of it or you leave it. One of my biggest fears is like, you know, those pages on Instagram that are like, oh my God. And they like expose um, like kind of catfish influencers. Yes. Oh my God. And they'll they'll, like find (laughs) Some fucking video out there to like yeah, they're like back, they're like back to back oh my god and these poor people are just like standing outside of a coffee shop and it's like look she doesn't look like this Terrifying. that's like my biggest irrational fear and that's why I purposely need to throw in some like ugly content because I'm like just in case like don't get it twisted like just in case I don't always look like this well, yeah, and that's the thing too. It's like it's better to expose yourself than like be exposed by one of those pages. Like it's better to call <laughs> yourself ugly than have some Instagram that like has two million followers. Like, like, oh my god! Uh, like if anyone's gonna take me down, it's me. I'm not <laughs> letting any of you do it. Exactly. So yeah, I feel like there's always that thing. I remember I saw an influencer once. I can't remember who it was, but she like messed up on like it's like the classic thing right she like messed up on some line on like some some tile in the background oh no warped like the classic facetune fail and she like she realized because of the comments and she kept it up and then she just changed the caption and she was like oops I fucked up on facetune and then I respected it so much more because I was like she could have deleted it she could have acted like it didn't happen like she could have lied and said like the camera warped but she was just like yeah like I facetune I'm a human that's just the way it is. And I fucked up and that's that. And here I am exposing myself. Yeah. I like that because I mean, it's so transparent at the same time that it's like not. (laughs) Well, it's like, yeah, there's this new thing. I feel like now where it's like, just so you know, like I mostly look like this, but I had like a pimple on my forehead and I face tuned it out. And it's like, that's fine. Like if you want to do that, that's fine. But when you're honest about it, it's like at least people know like, oh, she she like has flaws, but also she's like insecure. And that's like kind of endearing to me. Like I kind of like that. Totally. And I see all the time people will comment like, and this is for anyone, but people will comment under a photo you post and they'll be like, oh, I wish I looked at like you, blah, blah, blah. And back then when like I, it was smaller and like of a community for me online and I just was responding to everyone all the time. I would just be like, dude, like, honestly, I have thousands of dollars worth of filler in my face. Like, that's why I look like this. Well, that's the thing, too. It's like so many people are, like, comparing themselves, like, no filler, no makeup, sitting on a couch, no makeup to somebody who, like, spent money on filler or, like, Facetuned or it's, like, their best day in perfect lighting. And it's, like, like comparing those two is so dangerous. Exactly. And it really is. And honestly, I'm at a point where I'm, like, holy shit. So many people in the media and who are big online and who are kind of just like influencers, I guess, in some way, we all fucking look alike. And I hate that. And I kind of like I'm at the point where I'm kind of like, man, I wish I didn't like do so much like cosmetic changes to myself, but it is what it is. Um, But yeah, I feel like people are finally starting to stray from that like kind of weird, very similar look where we all just kind of fucking look like each other but I will say in your defense you're Latinx and you like are a brunette with like bigger facial features so you just kind of look like what people were striving to look like anyway so (laughs) 
I feel like that helps versus like you see these girls that like used to be like, you know, a skinny blonde with like very like European features and then com- like basically tried to make themselves look like a, a Kardashian, which it's like no shade to that because society has fucked us all in the head where we are feel feel like we're forced Absolutely. to look like that. But like, I think there's definitely something to say about like that kind of like ethnically ambiguous look is definitely something you at least already have. Also, like people just need to realize as much as people compare themselves to me, I'm comparing myself to like so many other people you know like that's just normal it's just like just it's so hard and also that's so hard just being a creative in entertainment like we're talking about looks right now but I'm sure you have that same thing with work the same way that like everybody else does where it's like so many artists I'm sure and like female R&B singers probably look up to you and like oh my god like I can't I'll never be on her level at the same place that you're probably like always striving for more and being like I did this and but I still haven't hit like this milestone that I want to hit or whatever Absolutely. But I, that's something I also really much struggled with, especially this year, um, because, you know, there's some artists who figured it out how to make it work during COVID and, yeah. you know, everyone else has paused and it's like, damn, like if I would have just did this. But at the end of the day, like there really is just room for everyone and everything because, you know, the world is just so big. And that's what I just have to remind myself. Definitely. That, that, that's, a, that's a great point, too, because reminding yourself that there is room for everyone is huge because a lot of times people want to do something like, oh, but there's already so many, you know, women who are models or women who are singers or women who are that. But it's like, there is never too many people. Like, do you know how much music, new music I find every single day that I like never- Literally, just like, go through your catalog, like your, your artists on Spotify. You probably have hundreds, if not thousands. Like you don't just listen to one person. Exactly. And it's like you find a new artist and that doesn't take away from somebody you already loved or you like whatever the case is, like for any job. It's like it doesn't take away from the things you already liked. Exactly. Yeah. For sure. So do you get like an absolute just shit ton of men in your DMs on a daily basis? Honestly, I don't think as much as people would think. Really? I think I think people have this this crazy misconception like Oh, I'm just getting like dick flown at me in the DMs. But while that does happen sometimes, um, really no. And to be honest, I check my DM requests all the time. I don't usually answer them unless it's right. like a question or like whatever. But um, no, I really don't like. And I feel like the the like people like say it's another artist or like some type of celebrity. Like the ones that I do end up talking to, it's usually because like I hit them up. <laughs> <laughs> so you're sliding in DMs as like with DMs that you're getting as well. Oh yeah, I do it all the time. I do, yeah, I used to do it too when I was single too, and that's I've like talked to recent girlfriends who were like, oh, I've never made the first move, like I've never slid in DMs, and I'm like, what's the worst thing that happens? Like they see it and don't respond, and then you can like you can act like it didn't happen and move on. Like I'm exactly. always I'm a big advocate for women shooting their shot. I do it all the time. Like, I don't know. Like, I tweeted the other day and I was like, Jack Harlow is my soulmate. And he liked it. And I was like, (laughs) Like, now he knows, like, you've put it out there. And if you hadn't, then he wouldn't have known. And like, it's at the very, at the most, at the least that happened was he didn't like it. And then at the most, like, now you guys have this funny thing. And like, when shit opens up, you see them at like an event or a party or in the studio. And like, you have this funny talking point. Oh, yeah. I'm planting my seeds. Exactly. We're (laughs) planting seeds is the biggest thing. (laughs) I have friends all the time who like, because I'm verified on Twitter, they'll be like, I'm going to write some funny shit like that on Twitter, but I need you to like it so they see it so that they can 
notification and they'll like use my my verified status to like get the attention of bigger people and I'm like always yes I am down to help you shoot your shot in any way that I can I love that you're such a humanitarian exactly I'm just you know I'm doing good for other people (laughs) (laughs) so another thing I want to talk about was I read in an interview you came from a religious Latin house Mm -hmm. I did too I was raised in a I'm sorry to hear that very Catholic Cuban household. Wow. And it's so funny now because you are kind of this sex positive icon, right? Do you ever deal with like Catholic guilt? Um, well, so my family is a Presbyterian Christian. Okay. And honestly, no, because I have a very different version of what my God looks like to me in my head. Yeah. Um, there are times where, because growing up in church, it can, it kind of, you, as you get older, sometimes you feel like you, you know, I want to go to church sometimes, but I would almost be scared to go to a church and someone like know who I am or like follow me on Twitter. And like, that would be a nightmare. <laughs> like, <laughs> But I don't really feel guilty. It was just part of like the whole risk of like everything I did with my brand and my image and when I was a dancer and I was vocal about that like that was just that was something that um I had to take as an L to get to where I am you know definitely because there are those people that are just never gonna they can't accept both they can't like have their religion and accept that someone like that they love or grew up with has decided to become like sex positive or whatever the case like it's really hard for some people I think to to have both of those things. And then some people are able to be like, this is what I believe, but like, this is your path and that's fine. Oh, totally. But you know, at the end of the day, it's just like, people can accept you, then it is what it is. For sure. Yeah. I feel like I've mostly gotten over it, but then I definitely have these weird moments where I'll like, I've like mostly gotten over it. And I like, feel like I have the same like thing. Like I have, I'm, I'm not necessarily like organized religion based but I am spiritual like I definitely believe in a higher power but then like something bad will happen and I'll be like is this because I have (laughs) I feel like that's because Catholicism specifically is so guilt-based like the whole religion is basically built on guilt so I I totally understand that you feel that way yeah it's like I I remember being in like first grade and like if you did something bad it wasn't like it was time out, but it was also like pray, pray, <laughs> like hit Tabitha with a Lego. And I'm like, what the fuck? This is so <laughs> literally. Yeah. Well, actually, now that you now that like I just realized it, I went through that a lot when I first started like seeing girls and like hooking up with girls for the first time. Really? Like I it would be like the back of your head? Yes. I remember the first time I ever like had sex with a woman and I was just, I low-key just felt so guilty and like it was just something I just had to grow out of. Yeah, I think that's what it is too. It's like you, especially when you're younger, it's so easy to get caught up in that and like be scared of like whatever you've kind of like been taught to be scared of. Yeah, I was like, well, I'm going to hell, I guess. For sure. That's that same. And I had my first um, experience with a woman in high school and I went to a Catholic school. So it was like extra scary. It was like, oh my God, like we just took off our school uniforms to do this. Like we have <laughs> to like, go to church tomorrow morning. Like this is so terrible. That's so fucking cool. <laughs> I know. Now I look back and I'm like, this is great. Like I'm glad that I like had that experience. But 
like at the in the moment, yeah, I was so like I felt so guilty, and I don't even think I could really pinpoint why I felt extra guilty being with a woman. And then looking back, it's like oh, because like I grew up in a church that told us that that was wrong. Uh, yeah, exactly, and told you you were gonna burn in hell for eternity. Exactly, it's just it's so it's so terrifying. So I I love that. I think that there's a lot of people who like have a really hard time like owning their sexuality or like being accepting the fact that like pleasure is a normal thing to want and have, especially people who came from a religious background and like being able to let go of that guilt is so important. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So another thing too, is you're a big advocate, obviously for sex workers. Do you feel like you're more passionate about that because you're a former dancer because you've experienced it firsthand? I think, I think, yes. I think for me, that feels very obvious, like to think about, um, also just like, because I went through so much personal backlash with being vocal, like I didn't decide to be a figure for like strippers when I like first kind of blew up on Twitter, but it happened. And like, that was the expense of like having a relationship with my family and like my image and like potentially risking like when I was in college, like, but because of that, I was just like, holy shit, like, I didn't choose this, but this sucks. And so many people go through this and like so many of us lost a relationship with their family and like it's hard. So it's like to be able to make other dancers just feel like a little bit more seen and like also like I'm going to try to normalize the shit as much as I can. Like I don't I don't want to ever look back and like pretend like that wasn't a huge part of my life because it was. I had sugar daddies. I was a dancer, like, I've had tricks, like, the whole nine yards, like, and it's nothing to be, in my opinion, to be ashamed about. Well, I think that's so important, too, is, like, is there are people, I think, who have been so shamed by society for things like that, that they've decided to take the opposite route and, like, act like it didn't happen and pretend like it's just, like, this really, really dark version of their past which like not that you know sex work doesn't come with some of that like you said there are relationships that are at stake and things like that but for you to be able to be so kind of positive about it and be like look this happened and like of course there are negative effects but I am who I am because of it it's I think it really it really harbors like a safe space for other women who are in similar situations who are sex workers or only fans creators or dancers or like whatever the case and like probably helps them feel less shame around it Yeah. And I think just with more normalization of it, that leaves room for us to talk about like the icky stuff that like is the really scary side or the really depressing side of sex work. And it's like it's hard right now when it's harder before when there was less representation because you didn't want people to think that was the only side of sex work because a lot of us love it and there's a lot of good parts. But when you're able to normalize it more and talk about it more like then we can feel comfortable like talking about the full spectrum and like the effects and like how important it is to like maintain your mental health when you're a sex worker and how hard it is. Like, you know, I want, I, I want that one day to just be, there's not just one conversation about sex work. Right. For sure. Because I feel like up until like five years ago, I'd say you saw two sides of sex work. You saw like the women who like were, you know, would come, would finish after a night and they'd have like a thousand dollars in ones and be like, I love this shit. And then you'd see the women who were like, I hate that I have to do this. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm living home to home. I lost my relationship with my family. It's like, it was so two stark different sides versus like where you're coming at it from where it's like, it's nuanced. Like there are good days and bad days, like every other job and there are good sides and bad sides to it. And it's the same as any other job. It's just life and shit's easy and shit's hard. Oh. And that's the way it is. 
And I mean, most of us are both of those sides any yeah. other day, like. In any job, right? Like even in music now, it's like there's good days and bad days. You're going to meet people that are like dangerous and, and terrible and like seedy. And you're going to meet people who are amazing and who like genuinely want to help you. And like there's there's good there's goods and bads to everything. And like you said, the more we can normalize sex work is the same as any other type of job. And like people will be more open about the bad areas and we're able to kind of like fix those areas. Absolutely. Yeah. So speaking of that, do you feel like there, so this is obviously, this is like a huge thing right now is like influencers and musicians and socialites who are like on OnlyFans. And there's two very different schools of thought with this. There's like the people who are like, oh, they're gentrifying it. This is bad. And then there are people who are like, oh, this is great because they're normalizing it and they're making it more mainstream. Do you feel like you fall into one of those two categories? I think about this question a lot myself because I have an OnlyFans, but where I'm coming from with myself is that I <laughs> I was like the original OnlyFans before it existed and I was selling like my Dropbox and like OnlyFans before it was mainstream. Yeah, like I, what I was doing was my Dropbox because like that platform didn't exist and then like you know, years later, my content is still leaked all over the internet. And like, so, and you know, as a still present day sex worker, I really feel, I feel okay doing OnlyFans. I know I'm not scamming people and I, I have pride in what I do, but yeah. when it comes to like someone like Bella Thorne, it's very obvious for any sex worker to feel pretty like, oh, this is so hard. I don't like talking about bad about other people at all, but sure. I think she could admit that's hopefully that what that was super wrong you know that's For just sure. like point blank period that was super wrong and if you're coming from a place where you don't have to do sex work in any way shape or form and you didn't ever have to do it in your past I really truly think you have no business even anywhere near the sex work world Right. And I think that's a, that's like a good and interesting thing point. And an, an interesting point with Bella Thorne is like, I don't think she went into it trying to be this villain. Like, I don't think she went into it with like bad intentions, but I also don't think she went into it with an, with having conversations like this. Like if she had a conversation like this with somebody who was a previous sex worker and now a present sex worker and had, could have conversations about why it might be the right or wrong thing to do, then maybe she would have made a more educated decision about it. Yeah. And I mean, that's just the downside of when you, you know, live in so much privilege, like you're not even aware that that's a conversation that's happening. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's like, I think she just went about it the wrong way. And I think that there, like I said, I don't necessarily think she tried to do something bad, but like you said, it's like you come at it with a place of privilege. You don't take the time to like have conversations with people who are living it day to day. And then you fuck up and you get canceled. And that's just kind of the shit that happened. Also, it's just like greed in general is never really good luck. And it's like, I was really hoping she would pour back some money into like the sex work community or helping out like, black trans sex workers or just like black sex workers in general because you know when you have more privilege you're in a lot different place right. so it's like I was hoping that's how she would have handled it but who knows I mean we don't know everything that's true we don't but I think it's an interesting take like you said that you have where you're able you were able to come at it from like both sides where you you were doing it on Dropbox when that was your only way and like you're still doing it now with, with this knowledge of like how it's been in the past so right and there's going to be a point where I financially like won't really have to do sex work anymore and then you know I I will step out of that role because I think it's kind of just wrong to like take from people 
in that way. For sure. Right. Exactly. So I think that, yeah, I think that's a good take on it too. It's just like you can do it and it can be this like fun, non-shameful thing, but like you get to a point where it's like, this is for people who need it and it's okay to kind of step back at that point. Yeah. And I feel like that's just my personal opinion. I really don't know how most people would feel about it, but I, that's, it's just something I do think about a lot. Like, wait, is this wrong? You know what I mean? Like I, you, you always have to have that internal monologue. For sure. Well, I think also it's one of those things that's so new in terms of the mainstream, like only, you know, sex work has been around. It's literally the oldest job in the history of humankind, but like OnlyFans is just, just popped off. Like it's, it's so people are still learning every day about it and like what it means to be an online sex work creator. Like it's like, it's such a new thing for so many people that I think we're still kind of like learning what's right and what's wrong and like how to go about it. Right. And the conversation's exactly, it's just starting. So we'll get there. (laughs) Hopefully even with the good and bad, like you said, it just opens up more conversations and people are able to normalize it more. Exactly. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap up because I just looked at the clock and it was been 45 minutes. (laughs) It didn't feel like it. (laughs) Oh, I know. It was so fast. Um, Thank you so much again for coming on. And you said your next, is it an album that's coming out on the 20th? It's a mini EP with some music videos and stuff like that. Yeah, on the 20th. Amazing. Perfect. I actually think this episode is slated to go up on the 19th, so it's perfect. Okay. Promo. (laughs) Perfect. Amazing. So I'll make sure the links to all that, to your Spotify and Apple and all that are in the description. But thank you again for coming on. This was such a good conversation. It was awesome talking to you and like virtually meeting you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, for sure. And next time in your LA, we'll have to actually hang out. Oh my God. Yeah. I'll be there uh, soon, actually. (laughs) Perfect. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye.